Hallelujah. Take your Bibles, please, as we get into the Word this morning. Uh, if you're visiting today or you're new online, we're, we've been going through the book of Colossians, verse-by-verse study. Don't ask me when we started. It was a long time ago. But we're in chapter 3 now, and uh, we're going to pick up Colossians 3, verses 5 through 11. So you could turn there and get ready for the Word today. Praise the Lord. Let me read it to you. Colossians 3, starting at verse number 5. Therefore, put to death your members. I would say right here, aren't you glad you came to church to hear this one? Put to death your members. Something's got to die, church. I said, Lord, are you sure you want me to preach on this on Sunday? He said, well, that's where you are, right? I said, that's where we are. I'm not picking on anybody. I have nobody in mind. This is just in general. This is the word of God. Amen? Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Can anyone relate? I can. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, or slander, filthy language out of your mouth, don't lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Your word is life to us. Your word is better than a Thanksgiving dinner. Your word is meat and potatoes, more than meat and potatoes. Your word is life and hope. Lord, help me to preach this message the way you want and uh, anoint me with your spirit that I may say the things that you want me to say and say them in such a way that you want, how you want me to say them. So Holy Spirit, come, take this word and minister to our hearts. And Father God, in the process, as we often pray, we pray, Pray that you will be glorified and your people will be edified. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. So last week we, uh, and by the way, last week I, I prepared a short message. It took me an hour to say it, but it was, it was a short message. But I had to finish up early to get to the parade on time. But anyway, want to kind of pick up where we were last week. Last week we, we said that Paul is beginning to transition from doctrinal statements and theology in chapters 1 and 2 to now a more practical application of the word in chapters 3 and 4. Let me put it this way. Paul is addressing the believer that the believers need to take responsibility for his or her faith and cooperate with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures that desperately desire for them to live a victorious life on earth while they wait for an eternity to, with the Lord later. Everyone get that? He's saying, okay, it's time for the believer, one of our favorite or least favorite, depending on where you, how you interpret it, take responsibility and, and be, you know, be, take care of your faith. I often thought about this. Brother Don, you, you remember down in Webster, I would often say the church is a hospital. 
It's a place where people come in and get fixed up and go out and do a great work. The, the problem with that is that, uh, from my experience anyway, maybe yours too, we never get totally 100% healed. There's always an issue. There's always one more layer of something we have to deal with. Am I the only one? You know, there's always one more thing. So I think, so what we could say is the church is a hospital, but the church is valuable and necessary until we're with the Lord in glory. Now he says um, uh, in verses 1 through 4, which we talked about last week, but verses 1 through 4 tell us our, our position in Christ. Um, and this is good theology. It's great doctrine, our position in Christ. But like I said last week, you could have the greatest theology in the world, but if you're not living it, it doesn't matter. You know, many people with good theology aren't serving the Lord the way that they should or the way, the way they know that they should. But if you just look at verses 1 through 4 really quickly, the good theology is that we've been raised with Christ. Verse 2 is we're thinking like Christ. Verse 3 is we're hidden in Christ. And verse 4 is we're waiting for Christ. That's why when verse 5 happens, when he says, therefore, that's a really big therefore. You know, because of verse 1, 2, 3, 4, therefore, we have things we have to do. We already discussed this, that we're saved by grace through faith. It's not of works, lest anyone would boast. It's a gift of God. You can't do anything to get your salvation other than to receive it. But Philippians 2 tells us that now that we have it, we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Because it's God at work in us, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So we need to have a cooperative spirit with the Holy Spirit, who desires us to be the best version of ourselves that we could be in this life in preparation for the next life. Amen. So, verse number 5, Therefore, so I've entitled the message today, what do I have to do with it? I mean, I would say that all the time as a kid when somebody did something wrong. What do I have to do with that? I wasn't there with my fingers crossed. But, but when we think of the Christian life, um, we have a lot to do with it. I mean, God has moved, but we have a lot to do with it uh, after the fact that we've accepted Christ. I said it last week, it's easy to come to the Lord in faith and receive his grace and his love and his forgiveness. That's basically the easy part. Who wouldn't want that? It's, it'll cost you your life, however, to stay serving God for the rest of your life here on earth. The big bang of salvation is wonderful, but it's everything that happens that's what we're talking about today. So as we have been doing, we're going to go verse by verse. And then I'm going to make some application to this. Um, and I'm going to answer the question, what do I have to do with it? So verse number five, let's go verse by verse. Therefore, since we have this great theology, we know our position in Christ, we're, we're raised with Christ, we're thinking like Christ, we're hidden in Christ, we're waiting for Christ. Those are great attributes. We're in that, you know, we're in that. But now that we're in that, the first thing that he says is, put to death your members. Like, oh my goodness. Lord, we were doing so good in verses 1 through 4. Can't we just stay there for a while? Well, put to death your, your members. 
In the context, though, it's important to, to remember, he's writing in response to uh, the spirit of Gnosticism that was in the church. The Gnostics believed once your spirit gets saved, you could do anything you want with your body. Your body doesn't matter anyway. Just spiritually serve God and you, you can do whatever you want to do. Unfortunately, I think there's some people today that think the same way. But Paul repeatedly says, no, it's your spirit, it's your mind, and it's your body. That's why we pray, Lord, bless us, body, soul, and spirit. It's the whole package of who we are. So Christianity is a little bit different than some of these other Eastern religions that just think it's a spiritual thing. But he's addressing the the Gnostics. But anyway, verse 5 gives a, a list of behaviors not to do. And verse number 8 goes a little deeper in those things. And I, I said, Lord, everyone's going to know this. And he said, so what? Preach it anyway. And the Lord reminded me that in, the, in my experience, I've seen people in church involved with these particular behaviors. That's why it's in the Bible. You know, the epistles are written to the church. They're not written to a bunch of heathens. They're written to, written to a bunch of heathens I got saved, but, but nonetheless, in my experience, over the last 30, even 40 years, these sins have been all over the church. And it does great damage to the church. So today, we have to talk about it a little bit so that we could hopefully prevent it from happening here. So I'm just going to go through the list here. He says, put to death your members which are on the earth. And the first one is fornication. Well, fornication comes from the word perneo, which we're, or pernea, where we get our word for pornography. It's any sexual sin, uh, any, uh, uh, whether, whether it's, it's in marriage or outside of marriage, premarital, uh, any type of adultery, or sexual activity, or bizarre sexual activity. He's saying to kill that, stop doing that. That is no longer acceptable to the man or woman of God. That's not part of who we are, fornication. And then he talks about uncleanness. Uncleanness would mean impure thoughts and words or action, which may kind of fuel uh, the fornication to happen, because it usually starts with a thought. Evil desires, similarly, uh, wanting to do the wrong thing. And you know what I think? A lot of times we are so influenced by our culture and by our media. We, say, we may see things in a movie that everyone applauds and everyone thinks that's normal. But in, in the eyes of the Lord, it's not normal and it's not right. And everyone's not doing it that way. But we get influenced by what we allow to come into our mind and into our heart. Um, covetousness. Uh, desiring more than we need, uh, as in keeping up with the Joneses, you know, to just to get more things. But he's saying mortify, kill these things, put to death these things. I read an article about this where, where the word there is a, um, <clears throat> a phrase, bring it to spear point. Anyone ever hear that before? Like if you could imagine a hunter that has an animal on the ground with the spear right at his throat, getting to spear point, that's how we have to murder or mortify or kill these acts of the flesh. Bring them to spear point and, and, and get them to surrender to the lordship of Jesus. Well, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But verses 6 and 7 then, try to uh, explain verse number 5. These five issues are, are why the wrath of God is coming. 
And so why would you, Christian person, why would you want to engage in activities that, will, uh, that, that promote the wrath of God coming? The wrath of God is coming upon those that are unrighteous, not for the righteous. So if we're living in that situation where we're doing those things, we're in a, we're in a conflict. We can't enjoy the presence of God. We can't enjoy the sin. We're somewhere in the middle. And it's bothering. It's, it's, like, it's like negative to us. But this is why the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Uh, verse number 5, I think a word of caution. If any Christian is involved in verse number 5, those activities can cripple you, can corrupt you, and take you away from the security that you have in Christ. Now, Ephesians 5 tells, I won't read the whole thing, but it says, No fornicator, unclean person, no covetous man will, will inherit the kingdom of God. For the wrath of God comes to the sons of disobedience. Well, we're now the sons and daughters of obedience. So we're, we're the righteous. 1 Corinthians 6 says the same exact thing. These people will not inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were, you were um, set apart, uh, justified in the name of the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we could have that testimony. We used to live there. We don't live there anymore. Going on to verse number 7. In which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. Um, I love that. I love to realize that the penalty of sin has been taken care of. And the power of sin has been taken care of. That took a while to get into my spirit. The penalty of sin, I can understand. He paid for my sin on the cross. But now the power over sin has been granted to us. Romans 6, 14 and other places, it says, Now sin shall not have dominion over you. You've been delivered from the power of sin. So verse number 8, let's just go on here. But you, now you yourselves are to put off all these. Now we're going a little bit deeper into this. Put off these things. Verse 5, it says to kill them. Verse 5, it says to put them off. It means the same thing. Get rid of them. Stop doing these things. And we might say, but Lord, I can't help myself. Lord, I can't seem to get out of the mindset. I can't control my temper or my words or my lifestyle. And the Lord says, you know what? I died on the cross for you. I've given you power and authority. Now rise up and live your Christian life in power. We read in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you'll become my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the outermost parts of the world. So we who believe in the Pentecostal church, in the Pentecostal movement, we understand the power is not within us, it comes from God. He gives us that anointing to rise above the issues that we're talking about here. So here's another list. He says, put off these things. Put off anger, which is an emotion. Now anger is something we should probably talk about a little bit, because sometimes anger is a good thing. I tell people, Jesus was angry a few times. He turned over the tables. I tell people, you, you know, get angry over sin. Get so angry about the drug problem downtown that you do something about it. Get so upset about something, you get up early every day and pray about those things. Ephesians 4.26 says, uh, 
Be angry and do not sin. And don't let the sun go down on your anger. But in this case, in Colossians 3, he's talking about the anger that's like a seething undercurrent of emotion within. And it's just waiting for an opportunity for release. We, we have to put that off. Give it to the Lord. He says, uh, just going down the list, uh, put off wrath. Wrath is like an act of anger. Wrath is like, like the emotion of anger being personified in real life. It's like getting revenge or getting rage or being enraged over something. Malice is similar. Desiring to harm somebody or to make somebody suffer. Uh, slander or blasphemy against the person is when we talk against a person or a person's character insulting them with lies or gossip. Filthy language, obscene talk or, or uh, yelling or vulgar words or ugly words that we might say. All these things are not associated with Christian people. Now, I know we all come into our relationship with the Lord with a lot of this stuff kind of built in already. But, you know, I know Rome wasn't built in a day, but we, we are to give these things to the Lord and surrender them to the Lord that we could change and we could be different than how maybe our flesh would want us to be. And in verse number 9 kind of stands out. Above all those things, in verse 5 and verse number 8, here's another thing. Don't lie to each other. And again, this is written in the context of a church or the church of, of Colossae, don't lie to each other since you have put off the old man with his deeds. So speak truth to each other. The old man has the father of lies, which is Satan. The new man has a new heavenly father, which is the Lord God. And so lie, uh, we don't lie to each other. We speak truth to each other. And if we get into a situation where it's difficult, we speak truth in love. We don't speak truth in anger or hate. And going on, verse number 10, we have, put off, we have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. We're renewed by our association with the Lord Jesus. The more we know him, the more we submit to him, the more we apply what we know to our lives, the better off we're going to be and stay close to the Lord. I think verse number 11 might be kind of like a summary statement of why these problems were happening in the church. Because there's all these different people mentioned here, verse number 11, that are fellowshipping together. Some were probably looked upon as more valuable or important than others. Some, some maybe were not understood or were not, you know, accepted by the group. And maybe in that setting, there was sexual sin. Maybe there was anger and violence among everybody. But he says in verse number 11, what a great verse for today. There's neither Jew nor Greek. You know, there's ne neither Gentile nor Jew. Circumcised or uncircumcised. There may be Hellenistic Jews, which are Greek-speaking Jews, but some have a different language. Uh, but they're all one in Christ. Verse 11. Uh, there's, there's barbarian, which were uneducated people in the fellowship. A little crude. And Scythians were worse than barbarians. They were really crude and violent. But, but now they're, they're all in Christ serving the Lord together. It says neither slave nor free, but, but Christ is in all. Christ is all and in all. And through the, through the uh, diversity in the church, there's a unity. 
there's forgiveness and a cleansing and a feeling of being set apart. So Paul is saying, look, act Christ-like to all these different types of people within the fellowship, and you probably won't have all of these issues that he just addressed. He continues on in verses uh, 12 through 17, which we'll get to next time. So the question I, I would present to the church, what do I have to do with all this? Or what do you have to do with all this? Well, obviously not everything, because Jesus has made a way for us. But we have a lot to do with our Christian walk and our Christian faith. Let me break it down this way. It's up to me, and it's up to you, it's up to every believer to decide how deep you will go in Christ. No one's going to make you go deeper than you want to. It's up to us to decide uh, how far we will go with our faith. How far will our faith take us? I can remember the day, Stacy, you remember, Jeffrey, you probably remember. I know Pamela remembers the day we decided to leave New York. We're going to go out like Abraham to a, a land we didn't really know, Webster, Massachusetts. And, but, but faith brought us to that place. And some years later, similar thing happened. Faith brought us to Haverhill, Massachusetts. How far will your faith take you? Not that you have to go somewhere, but how, how far will your faith take you on your job or with your family or what you say to people? It's up to you to make that decision how far you will go with your faith. How how. How used will you be in the hands of God? How much, how much will we yield to him? You know, it's not, it, it, that's our decision. I've got good news to, for you. The good news is that it's your choice. And the better news is when you make the right choice, the Lord is with you to see you through those times. So what do I have to do with it? What do you have to do with your salvation? Well, not everything, but you have a lot to do with it. I have a lot to do with my salvation. And by the way, let me just throw this out here. I, I heard Stacy talking about this the other day. But um, if you haven't gotten the memo, so to speak, we're praying every morning, early in the morning, like around sunrise, not together, thank the Lord, but... <laughs> at your place of residence or your place of work, wherever you can go and find a quiet place, we're going to pray together and just seek the Lord every single day. That's up to you. No one's going to call you up and make you do it. I'm not. But may the Holy Ghost, <laughs> may the Holy Ghost put some blues on you to, until you surrender to that. I think it was a great thing to do. But no one's going to make you do that. But if you want to join us, you can join us. No one will know unless you text me and let me know. But uh, every morning we're, we're doing that. I think it's 35 or 40 people doing that, and that's great. So anyway, I want to answer the question, what do I have to do with this, based on these, this passage of Scripture? I don't think it'll take real long to go through, but then again, you never really know about that. <laughs> what do I have to do with this? Number one, I've got to mortify my flesh. That's up to me. You know, it's not going to be your spouse or your best friend or your mother or your father that's going to make you get in line. That's something that you've got to decide to do on your own. And so I, 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 uh, I said this a few weeks ago. It, it's hard to beat alcohol if you're sitting at the corner bar. Hello. 
It's hard to beat pornography if you're watching movies with nudity in it. It's hard to stop gossiping when all you want to do is talk about people. <laughs> but there's, there's five areas to get under, your, under control. And they're, they're listed, verse number five, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, covetousness, all these things, you know. We need to put them at spear point and, and get, make them die in our lives. But can I tell you something? It's not easy, church. It'll probably take a lifetime to get it all together, and then some. The point is the process. The point is the attempt. The point is the struggle. If you're not struggling, if you've given up, you have lost. But if you're battling it out, you're struggling, you're on the way to victory. It's when you give in that you lose. And I... That we've all been there at certain times, but I'm, I'm telling you, you cannot give up the fight. How many times do you have to repent until you don't have to anymore? Just keep repenting, keep running to God, keep going to God. And these are all issues. Think about it. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetedness, which is idolatry. It's all over social media. It's all over the place. It's our culture. These issues have become basically the God of our culture. Satisfy the flesh. Give me more, give me more, give me more. And we're Christians living in this world where we don't belong. How do we deal with that? You know, it's hard. You know, I, I shared this a couple of weeks ago. I go online to look at the news. I'm reading about some, some situation. I don't want to know about that with a picture, no less. I'm talking about Yahoo or Fox News or CNN. I don't want to see that. What's that doing on my, my news feed? That's not news. It's something immoral. It's something ungodly. I don't want that, but now it's, now it's there. And for many people, all it takes is one little thing, and they kind of gravitate that way. And they're following the carrot dangling before their eyes. So I thought about this. What do we do, you know? It's hard, but... Uh, to simplify, yeah, go to church and get consecrated. But in reality, you know, Matthew 6, 33, one of the, our favorite verses, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added to you. But seek God first. Somehow in your life, have a place for God every single day. I, we're, we're on this having an altar every single morning seeking God. But when you seek God like that, you begin to read scriptures like 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It comes by seeking God repeatedly and confessing repeatedly until you don't have to confess anymore. But when you get one thing straightened out, guess what? Another thing's going to pop up. Guaranteed. It's a cycle. That's why we need the spiritual hospital. We need the life of Christ through the church to help us through these things. So seek God is the first thing. How, how do I mortify my flesh? Seek God before you seek your flesh. And then seek the people of God. Oh, but I don't like people. Well, you better start liking Christian people because we're going to have an eternity together, right? <sighs> Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, especially as you see the day approaching. And when you assemble with people together, and, and let's just get it out in the open, none of us have arrived. We're all a work in progress. But then we, we begin to realize the people of God are definitely a unique breed of people. 
James tells us when, when we're together as the family of God, it says, he says to confess your sins to one another and to pray with each other that you might be healed. Not, not physically healed, but emotionally healed. Healed of the sin problem. Confess your sin. So you, you can't have that mentality unless you're engaging in the body of Christ. So you have a pastor, you have leaders, you have a close friend that you could confide in and talk to. So yeah, you seek God first. But in seeking God first, you realize the people of God are really important. The people of God are very special people. You are a very special people. Those of you online that are serving the Lord, we are a unique people. Peter says a peculiar generation, but I won't go there. But we're, we're different but we're, we're, we have to be different. We seek God first, and we seek the people of God. And here's, here's another thing. 2 Timothy 2.22. He says to flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, peace, faith, and love with those of a pure heart. Run the race with people that have a similar interest and passion as you do. And sometimes that may lead us to some specialized help along these lines. Oh, there's Teen Challenge, New Life Home for Women and Children. There's uh, Potter's Wheel down in Carolina. If you need special help, and you need to run with those that have a pure heart and a pure mind, there's ample help available for you if you need to step away for a while to get your life under control and then come back into the regular flow of life. So the first thing, what do I have to do with it? Man, no one's going to crucify my flesh but me. You know why? No one knows what my battle is but me. I don't know your battle. I don't know everything you're dealing with. You know what your battle is. It's up to you to mortify your flesh. I'll be your pastor. I'll pray for you and help you in that way, but it's up to you. The second thing is this. What do I have to do with it? Verses 6 and 7. This is kind of like a teaching moment for Paul. That uh, He said, why would you do these things? This is why the wrath of God is coming. We've got to know what the Word of God says. We've got to understand that the Word of God is for our teaching, for our help, for our guidance, and so on and so forth. Why would I want to go back to my place, my, my Egypt, and, and get all messed up again? I had a situation many years ago, before I was in the ministry, I had a, uh, there was a visiting minister at our church in Connecticut. And uh, I somehow, I took a liking to him. He took a liking to me. And uh, I confided in him a, a problem I was having. And he told me something that didn't set right in my spirit. He said, Rick, what you have to do is go back to those people or that person and, and get it straightened out. And I was dealing with an issue that was probably 15 years old. And I, it didn't seem right to me. And so I, told, I called my pastor up. I said, this is what he told me to do. He said, should I do that? I said, should I do that? He said, Rick, don't listen to his advice. Don't go back there and do that. Don't go back into your, don't dig up all the, all the stuff that you dealt with already. And you know what happened to that guy that gave me that advice? He did that himself. He went back to his old way, contacted some old people, ended up having an affair and leaving his wife and kids and it all messed up. And I was going to follow his advice. Thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit that said, no, no, that didn't seem right to me. So we don't go back to our old way. You know, we we have to know what the Word of God says. The, The wrath of God is coming upon those that do those things. I'm not going to go back there. 
Pure and simple. But that's my decision. Are, are there temptations? Yeah. Are there voices calling? Yeah, yeah. I want this, I want that. I know a, I know a, a very prominent minister in our district. Uh, this is where he was at. He said, one day before I meet the Lord, I'm going to smoke a big old fat cigar. And that was his thing. He wanted a cigar so bad. Oh, the cigar boss just left. I just thought of that now. But anyway, the, whatever, whatever it is, you know, we don't go back because we know what the Word of God says. Romans 6.16 6, says, To whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you become that one slave, whether a slave to sin, which leads to death, or a slave to obedience, which leads to righteousness. That's the Word of God. Whatever we surrender to, yield to, we become a slave to that thing. So in the context of verse number 5, if it's a sexual matter, that sexual thing now owns us. And we can't break free even if we wanted to. It's become an addiction or an unhealthy passion. And our brain needs to be rewired to overcome that. It could be anything. It could be alcohol or any other vice. John 8, 36 says, if the, son of, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. Romans 6, 1 says, what should we do? Should we sin more that grace would abound more? Yeah, man, you can't run out of grace. Let's just go have a field day. He says, no. God forbid, he says, how can you who died to sin live any longer in the sin? You see? So he says, no way, no way. The word tells us in verse number 10, it says we're renewed as a new man as we have fellowship with Jesus. It's up to us to do that. No one's going to make you do it. And I, I've have thought about my, my role as a pastor. I think about it all the time. And I'm so thankful for the pastors I've had in my life who would say, you know, call me up in the beginning and say, hey, Rick, you come to church tomorrow. And because of the phone call or the little word, I would probably get up and go to church. And, and that's a role that we play. But sooner or later, church, after the pump has been primed, everyone's got to take your own responsibility and run after God. And I'm here. The leaders are here to help you. I'll encourage anybody. I'll encourage people till the day I die. That's my calling. I, I encourage people. But sooner or later, you, you begin to appreciate people that are kind of self-motivated now at this point to get it. And to run after God? You with me? Are you still glad you came to church today? I said, you know, Lord, I don't know. I don't know. But we're going back to verses 1, 2, 3, 4. Look, if you're raised with Christ, if you're hidden in Christ, right? If you're thinking like Christ, if you're waiting for Christ, therefore, all these things will keep us in the right position when Jesus comes on the scene. And what if he comes today? You'll be glad you heard this message. What if he comes tomorrow? You'll be glad you heard this message. Okay, the third thing is, what do I have to do with it? Well, verses 8 and 9, I don't know how else to say this. I, in, my, in my way of thinking, verses 8 and 9 are telling me, I've got to change my lifestyle. I can't be getting angry and yelling and screaming and throwing things. And, you know, as a, as a young person, I remember getting a hammer and throwing it through the, the wall in the garage, just making a big hole in the thing, kicking a hole through a wall, doing stupid things, just unbridled anger and, and being upset about whatever. We can't live like that. We've got to change our lifestyle. We can get angry and don't sin. We can be productive with our anger. 
But this wrath and malice and these ill feelings that we have toward people, especially in the body of Christ, they've got to go. Those things have got to go. He says, uh, you've, you've got to put off these things. It's like changing your, your jacket. Like take off the jacket and put on a different coat. Put on a different lifestyle. Put on a different anointing on yourself. That's your call. Go into your spiritual closet and close the door and come out a new person. Leave the garbage in the closet. Put on some new spiritual clothes. Put on some righteous clothes. Clothes of righteousness for the Lord. So change our lifestyle. And, uh, you know, in the old days, it was my lifestyle was characterized by me, 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 me. It was all about me. Whatever I wanted to be happy, uh, that's what I had to do. If I wanted to get angry, no one was going to tell me not to get angry. I would get even more angry if he told me not to get angry. But all these things. And then not to lie. Verse number 9, don't lie. You know, so we don't serve the father of lies. We serve the father of righteousness and hope. So when we lie, we're following the mark of the enemy. So we have, we mortify the flesh, we, we know the word of God, we change our lifestyle. And ver- the last thing in verse number 11 is that we accept believers that are different than us. And I think maybe all the, all the now that I look at verses 5 through 11, all the sin in those verses may be because in verse number 11 there was such a diversity within the church. And some people were not respected and loved and cared for and honored the way that they should have been. But I love the diversity, different cultures, different life experiences, different backgrounds, different language groups. You know, that makes up a great body of believers. And we need to love and respect everybody. This is a good word for our culture, isn't it? We're all equally sinners, equally lost, but equally saved with with an equal amount of potential that God gives us. You know, we don't limit what God's going to do and who he's going to do it through. And again, that list is pretty intense. You think Jew or Greek, man, they didn't even like each other. And they probably spoke different languages, circumcised or uncircumcised. The Jews were still coming out of that mindset that they had to do certain things according to the Jewish customs. Barbarian people, could you imagine sitting next to someone that couldn't read or write or, 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 or carried a knife with them all the time or whatever? And then a Scythian was someone worse than that? But they got saved. What are you going to do with that? I think you may have heard me say this, but many years ago while we were here, uh, someone brought a, 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 a friend of theirs to church. And after they left, I said to the person who is no longer here, I said, how did they like the church? And they said, oh, they, they didn't like the church. I said, why didn't they like the church? At the time, this was maybe 10 years ago, they said, oh, there's too many homeless people here. There were no homeless people here. People were just looking a little funky, a little raggedy. But the church was full. Let me tell you, the church was full. May we get back to that. And so I said to that person, I said, well, you know what? I felt the Holy Spirit. Because in my flesh, I wanted to do something else. But in my spirit, I said, well, you know what? The Lord has a different place for that couple to go to church. They don't belong in this church. That's still my heart. That's still my heart. So we need to accept other believers uh, Galatians 3.28 says something similar. Neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We're all one in Christ. 
Romans 12 says there's many members but one body. Ephesians 4 says there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one Father, one baptism. 1 Corinthians 12 says that we're like a human body with different pieces to it, all working together. There's only one church. So what do I have to do with it? Well, I have a lot to do with it. And you have a lot to do with it, too. And so then the question comes down to this. What do we have to do with this fellowship? I was telling Donnie earlier, COVID has done a job on most churches. You know that. Those of you online, God bless you. But many people are not coming out like they used to. They're not running after God like they used to. It's easy to stay home on a Sunday or a Wednesday or whatever. But what do I have to do with that? I have a lot to do with that. I have purpose in my heart to be positive and hopeful. I purpose in my heart to preach the word of God and leave the results to him. I purpose in my heart to worship the Lord, even though there may be things in my life that I'm not happy with. You know, different things going on. And by the way, my mother is doing really well. I meant to say that earlier. My, my mom... You know, <clears throat> two weeks ago, we were getting ready, you know, we were getting ready to make plans. <laughs> now she's walking on her walker. She's still in the rehab. She's walking around, meeting people, saying hello to everybody, getting ready to come home next week. My brother texted me last night. He said, Mom is stronger than ever. She fooled everybody. But those were a tough couple of weeks. We were back and forth to New York a few times. All the grandkids were coming up. It was a a very intense time for us. But I I purposed in my heart, nothing's going to get in my way of serving God. And so for this church, what, what becomes of this? As this year comes to a close, we're looking at 2023. Can you believe 2023 is knocking at our door? But what happens in the new year depends on me and you. It depends on me and the Holy Spirit. But, I, but that's our given. The Holy Spirit wants to bless this church. I, I'm, I don't have any doubt about that. The Holy Spirit wants to bless every church that's preaching the word of God. But how we, how we live in that is up to us. So I want to encourage you. Keep coming to church. Join me at the early morning prayer time if you can. Let me have a text or an email that you're doing it. But invite someone to church. Encourage someone you work with to come to church with you or to seek the Lord with you or pray with you. Like do something with your faith that will generate some response to people. Amen? Amen. Brother Bruce, while I'm thinking about it, your family down in Dudley uh, goes to the same church as this family right here, so make sure you connect later. (laughs) All right, why don't we stand together? In conclusion, what do I have to do with it? Man, I've got to crucify my flesh. I've got to know the word of God. I've got to change my lifestyle. I've got to accept people. Verse number 10, I think, kind of summarizes it, where he says, uh, you have now put, put on the new man uh, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. I think the goal that we have is to stay renewed. Stay renewed. Remember I told you a story about a guy uh, in our old, old, old church. We were new Christians. Well, no, I was, a, I was a Christian for about five years old. And he singled me out 
because he thought I was a brand new believer. He thought that because I was excited and happy about serving the Lord. But my goal in life is to continue to be like that until I meet the Lord. Anyway, I found this guy on Facebook. <laughs> and I'm in the process of reaching out and trying to figure out what to do with him. But anyway, I think he's still serving the Lord. But how, how are you? Are you still, like, excited? Are you still, like, expecting God to move? Good to see you guys, by the way. Welcome back. Are, are you still, like, like, hopeful that God's going to meet your need, your situation? Today, we, we were so blessed this week to have Jeffrey and his wife and his kids come to our house and have dinner with us. Stacy and Dan and the kids were so blessed. They're like best These kids are like best friends. They see each other once a year or whatever. They're like best friends. It was so great to have that. You know? And we're praying and just trusting the Lord with other situations in the family. Are you still hoping for God to move? Are you still trusting in God to move? I want you to know, I am. I haven't arrived. The church hasn't arrived. But I'm trusting God to see us through these difficult days. What do you have to do with it? Not everything, but you have a lot to do with it. Matthew 6, I'll leave you with this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All the other things we're concerned about, he will add to us. Amen. Well, I hope it's okay, but the Lord led me to select a hymn today. Go for it. <laughs> and I hope it's okay, but I'm going to just give a little editorial. I never editorialize when I sit at the piano. But I, when I minister to the men, one of the simple things I try to encourage them in, and obviously myself, is it's about agreement. This was an agreement message. Come into agreement with God. Just move into agreement with who he is and his word, and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. So as we sing this song, let's do that. Let's come into agreement with the Lord.
Everybody looking this way. Who needs to get right with God today? Anyone? This is the time to do it. This is the time to do it. I want to encourage you. Come up here. Not up here. Come up here, over here. I'd love to pray with you before you go home today. Who needs to get right with God? Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you for coming up here. Anybody else? I need to just get right with God. You might be thinking, you may know everything I just said, you may know already. You know what God did for you. You know about the cross. You know about the blood. It's the part about taking responsibility that's the hard part. You might be facing some difficult things this week. Your biggest battle is probably your own flesh, your own desires. I wonder if we could sing that chorus one more time before I pray. Draw me say this prayer with me including those of you standing up here dear heavenly father help me today help me today i see my sin i see my sin my sin is ever before me my sin is ever before me i'm like david i'm like david but right now right now i cry out i cry out purge me with hyssop me with his let the blood of Jesus let the blood of Jesus wash over me wash over clean me clean me heal me heal me forgive me forgive me empower me empower me never to go back to that never again to go back father I receive Jesus today my personal Lord and Savior my personal Lord and Savior the master of my life master of my life. and father God with your help Father God, with your help. And with the help of the church. With the help of the church. I give you my word. I give you my word. I will do my best. I will do my best. To serve you. To serve you. 
If I fall, if I fall I'm going to get up. I'm not going to stay down for long. I'm going to get up and brush myself off. Brush myself off. And get back to the cross. Get back to the cross. Hallelujah. So thank you, Lord God, oh, for calling me out today. Calling me out today. I give you the praise and the thanks. Give you the praise and the thanks. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, I want to pray for these four and anybody else that said that prayer today really meant it. A renewal of faith, a renewal of commitment to you. Lord God, we know we can't do anything on our own, but you promised to give us the Holy Spirit. Lord God, fill us with your Holy Spirit today that we may be empowered to be a good witness for you in these last days. So Lord, for these four and others, those at home, perhaps on the live stream, Lord, we all pray in agreement together that you who started the work, you're faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So Lord, continue to work within each and every one of us. We give you all the thanks and all the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Before we say the final prayer, before I forget, everyone has a faith promise card. Could you fill that out if you didn't do that yet? Real quickly, if you need a pen, raise your hand. If you need a card, we, the ushers have you. Raise your hand if you need a... Those of you online, we'll, we'll save some cards for you as well. But if you would, fill out the card. And, and, and you, you rip off the little piece, you keep the little piece and return the big piece. So I'm going to pray. And uh, as we dismiss, you could just put the card up here on the altar. I think that would be the best. Put it in the corner up here on this side or that side. Okay? Dear Father, Father, we pray for our missionaries. Lord, that they also would preach this kind of a message where they are all over the world. And that thousands and thousands and thousands of souls would come to know you through their labors. Thank you, Lord, that we could be a part of what they're doing by contributing financially to them and praying for them. Lord, bless these faith promise cards. As we prepare for next year, Lord, bless these cards. Bless those that are filling them out right now. Let us, uh, let us have that money pledged for the new year that we could even do more than what we're doing this year. Bless the giver, Lord. Bless the, the one who's making the pledge. And we're going to trust you to provide what we need above our tithe and even beyond our bills that we have to pay to support those dear missionaries. So we thank you for it and we look forward to what you're going to do. Father, may your blessing be upon the church. As we walk out these doors today, let us be encouraged that you're with us and we need each other. So we give you thanks, we give you praise for all these things. Lord, be glorified in everything that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Please bring your card up here to the front and put it down. There's a basket there and a basket there. And God bless you. Join us tonight at 6 o'clock for the live stream prayer.